Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. I'm Chris Horwoodell and I've been very wrong so far on this call. Joined by Greg Crone. Gregory, how's it going? I mean, I'm exhausted. Not from (laughs) but from just a weekend full, full of basketball. Um, Monday rolled around and I, I missed it a little bit, but I needed a little bit of a of a refresh day for sure. Yeah, I'm exhausted from the issue we just had where I basically made you change every uh, every port on your computer and it turned out it was a problem with my computer. I mean, it happens. Uh, you know, uh, audio issues, remote recordings, these are the things you run into. So, Ugh. I don't know. We talked about it a little bit off the call. Uh, we've got, obviously, a ton to talk about. The the World Baseball Classic Championship going on right now. We've got the Sweet 16 set to kick off in a couple of days. A lot of other fun stuff. Uh, as always, I have BovadaSportsBook.com open in front of me. We're going to take a look at all of those lines, some fun props, and anything else we can come up with. But how do you feel about this? The WBC, Gregory, USA currently down 1-3 to three to Japan. I just, we need to win. This is, we need to win. I feel strongly about it. I mean, I've watched way more games than I ever thought I would of the entire tournament. So it's been fun. I, I, I enjoy competitive baseball, like playoff atmosphere baseball. And it feels like the world baseball classics brought a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Like you see Twitter explode. You see, uh, you know, different social medias go crazy when something big happens and, like you can hear how loud the stadiums are. Like the players are clearly into it. Uh, I've been I've been excited. It's it's been good, and it's a great primer to go into the actual season. Yeah. So for the quarterfinal, uh, the Japan Italy quarterfinal, forty eight percent of Japanese households were watching the game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Forty eight percent half. Of the the half of the households in Japan that had the television on were watching the WBC. Yeah, that's. I mean, the the only like the only real issue I have kind of is the timing of it because I feel like the timing affects the pitching way more than it does the batters. If that makes sure. sense. Well, that's like, why you're you're not seeing the star pitchers partaking. Yeah. Although so, you get you get Otani and uh, that that insanely talented twenty uh, year old for, from Japan. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I feel like if we had that, it would kind of put it all together for the the uh, American side. But overall, I mean, it's it's been a fun tournament. I, I I can't honestly, like I said, I can't believe I've been as in tune to it as I have been, even with all the basketball and everything else going on, XFL, golf. There's just there's too much to watch. I mean, you lost me on those last two. I didn't even bring up darts. And I appreciate that. (laughs) Man, you know, it's funny. There were, obviously, we'll we'll talk about the crazy upsets that have taken place uh, so far in the, uh, 
in the why where is this coming from oh i restarted my computer didn't i cool <laughs> all right uh, i was like what is this i don't know i don't remember doing this but there have been crazy upsets in the first couple of rounds and excellent excellent i lost lost the work that i i had started but i mean it's okay we're we're moving forward now and i'm i'm content with that but <laughs> i'm one sorry of, one, sir no, not not your fault by any stretch of the imagination. I should have, I should have saved things. But what I think is interesting is like we had these coaches, we had these coaches who we knew were leaving their school prior to prior to the tournament. And like Rick Pitino goes to St. John's, the the least surprising move in college basketball. And his response was, "I've earned it." Uh yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of entitlement there for sure. Um, which is very, very bizarre. I mean, I get it. Like, Patino's had a long storied career, but also the, the, the disgrace of how the Louisville situation ended is is interesting. You know what I mean? For sure. Like, it, you, you're lucky you got the chance at Iona, and then Iona gave you the chance to eventually somehow turn this into St. John's, which is, you know, nowhere near as, pre- as prestigious as it was back in the day. Um, do you like think they're the gonna big... have? You think Felipe Lopez is gonna play for them? Uh, I don't know to be honest. Oh man, Rick Pitino. Uh, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see him back in like major conference college basketball. Well, and it, it's almost a curse every single year if you're one of these these teams that comes out of nowhere and. And you know, and and wins a couple of rounds. We saw this with Fairleigh Dickinson this year. Their coach, their coach Tobin Anderson, already gone, and he's going to be the next head coach at Iona. I know, dude. It's uh, well that happened. The same thing happened last year with uh, the the guy from St. Peter's. He ended up at Seton Hall. Yeah, and you saw easy Chris Beard was another guy. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean. It's it's wild how quickly the landscape of coaching changes. And now, you know, you're fairly Dickinson. You didn't even win your conference, but you pulled off a very big upset, obviously, 16 over one. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, we got to figure out everything again. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you what, coaching matters in college basketball, as is evidenced by Villanova's first round loss in the NIT this year. Oh, couldn't agree more. I think coaching matters uh, the way more in college basketball than it does in the NBA. And it's not, oh, even, not a even a question. Yeah. yeah. Not even a question. A a good coach can elevate a program in college basketball well well past honestly what what a good player can do. Always, because it's all about it's literally and it's it's sort of the perfect example of the Fairleigh Dickinson Purdue game. Matt Painter is an unbelievable regular season coach. Yeah. When it comes to the tournament, he has just nothing for you. Like it's, and I don't know if it's just a Purdue thing overall, because they've, they've never had postseason success in reality, but I mean, panic sets in, in the, with the players and the coaches don't make the adjustments that they need to make. And he's, he's a, one of the biggest culprits of it. I mean, I, I couldn't seriously take Purdue past in this especially even in this tournament past the second round let alone i mean i didn't expect him to lose to a 16 or to a 16 but 
Like I just know, I I know Purdue. That's it's it. It's an easy pencil in. No matter what seed they are, they're they're not getting to any later than the Sweet Sixteen if they're lucky. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the interesting games that have happened so far. Uh, I'm going just going through the tournament. Alabama beats Texas A&M easily. Texas A&M Corpus Christi easily. Maryland beats West Virginia. San Diego State beats Charleston. Then we get to the Matt Crone special, the I've been there prediction. <laughs> Maybe thanks to one of the most ill-advised passes in college basketball history, number 13 Furman upsets number four Virginia. I mean, one of the more insane what-are-you-doing plays I've ever seen. And like I, I've seen, I've talked to a ton of different people who obviously watch the game and have seen seen the replay over and over again. And it's it's all a lot of, you know, what could that guy have been doing? What what are the thought processes? Is he trying to throw it all the way down the court? This that, and it's just it's it's a panic situation, and it gets you throw the ball to just no one essentially thinking. Well, he threw the ball to a Furman. Well. True, he, but he threw it to no one on his own team, and you end up with, you know, a, a, a just absolutely dagger three that essentially ends the ball game. It's, I, I that's one of those highlights you'll see for years and years and years to come because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I think that was a that was one of the games just in this side of the bracket where I think Bavada had a tough day. Um, Creighton beats NC State. Baylor beats uh, UCSB, Missouri beats Utah State. And on this side, here we go. Another giant upset. Princeton stuns my <laughs> my <laughs> prediction for the champs, the Arizona Wildcats. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it is about West Coast teams. I don't know if it's just, you know, the Pac-12 has a lot of mediocre talent at the bottom end, so they aren't tested as much as the year goes on. And it leads to this, essentially, where you get into the tournament and, and anything can happen. I mean, there's also a lot. It, it, it's harder for me to be like, oh, NIL, parity, this, that, you know, transfer portal. When it is Princeton and it's Ivy League and there are no oh, scholarships, yeah. and it's it's a lot different in that, you know? So... I'm I'm almost more impressed by Princeton being able to pull this off against Arizona, if, if I'm being honest. For sure. In the Midwest, Houston beats Northern Kentucky. Auburn upsets Iowa, but it's an 8-9, so who cares? Miami beats Drake. Indiana beats Kent State. Pitt beats Iowa State. How'd you feel about that one? Well, that was the one, that was the game where Iowa State didn't score for like the or they had two two free throws like through eight through through twelve minutes of the game something ridiculous like that they scored forty one points yeah really bad and they blamed the rims and it's like well Pitt also played on those rims for the second half yeah it it's just like Pitt just somehow shut them down Jeff Cable coached the guys up Chris he was able to to use use that vast knowledge of basketball to. Uh, to have his guys go out there and just dominate an Iowa State team that had one of the worst shooting performances that we saw all weekend. That it, that certainly helps when you're trying to win. <laughs> Number three, Xavier beats Kennesaw State. Number 10, Penn State upsets the Texas A&M Aggies, Greg. I mean, the Andrew Funk game. 
just absolutely lights out. I was, I was in, I, I had just kind of finished putting the kids to bed. Actually, no, because it started way later that night. It was the other game that started earlier. Um, I had just kind of like sort of settled in, I guess, watching a bunch of games all at once. And then I was like, all right, Penn State's coming on. So I was in my office. I was throwing some darts while I had the game on. And I had my back turned for a second. And I just kind of heard them say funk for three. Yeah. And where where he shot his first one was Steph Curry, like, logo range. And it hit nothing but the bottom of the net. And I was like, ooh, that could be interesting. And then he proceeded to just shoot the absolute lights out and essentially shoot them into the, the second round of the tournament. It was unbelievable. You have eight for ten from three for Andrew Funk. <sighs> what I would give to, to just one time have that. Just once. Just once. Well, one you, when you get in the over 50 league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's senior league. That's that's the next opportunity. And wrapping up this bracket, number two, Texas beats Colgate. In the East, the biggest upset of the tournament. Number one, Purdue loses by five points to number 16, Fairleigh Dickinson. I just, the way to, to lose that game and the fact that the coach called it said we could beat them, and then they went out there and just dominated, like not dominated, but kind of, just out-hustled, out-played. It just proves that like those 16 seeds have sort of that free-roll mentality. And yeah. the ability to keep it close like that just, it, it creeps in that doubt. It was very, I would say it was similar to UMBC Virginia, but it kind of wasn't. Like UMBC just sort of, steamrolled a very slow weird virginia offense that is unwatchable if you ask me but and in in this case it was like i know fairly dickinson's just like bullying them on the glass not letting zach Eady do really anything in terms of scoring in the second half and they just they out hustled them and wanted it more i guess i don't i don't really know how else to describe it yeah, Edie played uh, 36 minutes, ended up 21 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 15 rebounds. So statistically a good game and three blocks, but as you said, a lot of that came in the first half. Yeah, just just one of the more wilder upsets. I, I just was sitting, we were laying in bed watching the games, and I was like, I, I think they might actually be able to beat them. And like it just kept going and going, and, and time was dwindling, and it was like, oh no, they're, they're for sure going to beat them. This is... This is crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're both big YouTube TV fans. Are you taking advantage of this uh, four games at once? YouTube oh, buddy, TV I, stuff? I called. Uh, I called the morning after it was announced. It was announced that Wednesday night. Um, I was out doing things. I had a draft for some tournament stuff, and then uh, saw a bunch of messages about it. I called uh, actually <laughs> YouTube TV. If you go to their support thing, you can file a support ticket, and they just call you. Um, so they called me within like one minute and I was like, this is what I want to set up. And they added it on and it, it's been interesting. I've enjoyed the four games on Wait, it. What, once. Do you, what do you have to set up? You have to, you have to have the multi-view thing enabled because it's oh, in like beta I, testing. Oh, I just, I don't know. There was an option on the home screen and I pushed huh. it and there were four games on my TV. Well, then maybe you didn't have to call. I was told you had to call and request it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, that's crazy though. I didn't realize they just handed it out. Uh, God, see, I just get bad information from my friends. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Look, um, you could entire, you could be entirely right. And I mean, they were talking to you about it. So there's clearly something that they had to talk to you about, 
but I, yeah, I saw, I, I turned it on one, one of the nights and I was like, Hey, they're like, do you want to watch four games at once? You couldn't pick the four games as far as I know. No, yeah. uh, just kind of stuck with whatever four were on, but yeah, I just, I pushed the button and there were four games on my TV. So the way it worked was that Thursday afternoon, the first slate of games, they only had the option for two games at once. And Mm -hmm. then by the night session, then the four games showed up. But some people were having an issue where the CBS game, which was the Duke game, Duke Oral Roberts, was just a black screen in the top right-hand corner of the four view. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but then within like two hours, everything was back and you had four games. You couldn't pick and choose the games, which I think something that would make that even more intriguing. Um, But it's certainly, it's certainly, I've, I've enjoyed having that option of having all four games on at once. But at the same time, at at what point is there, are there more than four games going on? There really is. It's, there's never, it's always just at most four. And with the way they stagger them, typically it's two games in the second half, two games are in the first half, and there's some overlap, and that's about it. But, right. um, and now, now there's really, I guess, maybe you could use it for two games at once, but now, because they're so spread out, um, with just four games a, a night over the next couple nights of the tournament, that yeah. uh, it won't be as necessary. But it was nice to have it, to to be honest. Yeah, for for the twenty third, we have a six thirty, a seven fifteen, a nine, and a nine forty five start time. I just wish they spread it out a little bit better. I know they do it for for time and for ratings and for you know prime time viewing that kind of stuff. But man, I wish they uh they they spread them out just a tiny bit more because I want to watch the full game or at least most of one game before another game starts. Not you know not have them sort of jammed up a little bit for sure uh on this east side again we have a nine beating an eight F- fau over memphis memphis is just not a good basketball i team. mean but they got screwed with that last play that timeout they had possession of the ball two different players are calling timeout and the ref grants a jump ball just horrendous officiating at that point Fair enough. Number uh, number five, Duke beats Oral Roberts. Number four, Tennessee beats Louisiana. Uh, number six, Kentucky. Can't really see my monitor here. Uh, beats Providence. Kansas State beats Montana State. Michigan State be- beats USC. Marquette beats Vermont. Kind of chalk other than that giant upset. On the west side, Kansas beats Howard. Arkansas beats Illinois. St. Mary's beats VCU. UConn beats Iona. Uh, but Iona really wins at the end because they get a new head coach. TCU <laughs> beats Arizona State. Gonzaga beats Grand Canyon. Northwestern beats Boise State. And UCLA beats UNC Asheville. So absolutely no upsets. Everything goes as it should in the West side. In the, in the round of 32, Alabama beats Maryland. San Diego State beats Furman. Creighton beats... Uh, Creighton upsets Baylor. Was that at all surprising to you? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but kind of not really. The only reason I say that is because Creighton was viewed as a really, really high-ranked team in the preseason. They underachieved as the year went on, but but overall, I mean, they're playing the way that people expected them to play. I picked Creighton to get to get past Baylor in that matchup, so I think uh, I think I was one of the the few that wasn't nearly as surprised as some others. And then Princeton continues their magical run beating Missouri. So I was out at an Irish dancing show um, for for. Would most you, of would this you game. like me to edit that out? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Um, 
Uh, but I so I wasn't really watching this game in particular. It was one of the games I missed on Saturday. And uh, but I get we got in the car and we were heading home, and I like was looking through the scores because the Penn State game was getting ready to get started in just a, a few minutes, and it's like. Is Princeton really up like 15 on Missouri? Mm-hmm. And they just absolutely crushed them. Like absolutely crushed them. That it was, uh, from what I heard and what I saw on, you know, people talking about it, it just wasn't a close game at all. And Princeton, uh, you know, finds himself as a 15 seed in the Elite Eight. Crazy. And playing or a six seed. Playing a six seed too. So not not the worst situation for them. No. They, they very well, I mean, they they keep playing easier teams. It seems like it's weird <laughs> as the tournament progresses. Not the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> not even on a the, little bit. On the other side, Houston beats Auburn. Miami upsets Indiana, but it's a five versus a four. Granted, they beat them pretty good. Sixteen point win for Miami against the team that I predicted to lose in the uh, the championship to Arizona. So my brackets, which is great, Xavier beats Pitt and Texas beats Penn State. On the other side, and who would have thought we'd get an FAU fairly Dickinson uh, round of 32 matchup, but we did an FAU one. Tennessee beat Duke, Kansas State beat Kentucky, and Michigan State beat Marquette. You know, a couple, we have a, a four beat a five. You have a, a three beat a four. Nothing giant surprising on that side. On the other side, we have UCLA hold off Northwest and Northwestern. I, I, I don't want to give credit to the Northwestern team for obvious reasons, but they played a really good game. <laughs> Could have won that. Uh, the Zags beat TCU. UConn beat St. Mary's. And then number eight, Arkansas beats Kansas, Greg. I mean, a huge upset. Uh, I mean, Eric Musselman just knows how to win in the tournament. I think this is the second year in a row as an eight or nine seed. He took out the one in the round of 32. He knows how to get the get the guys up for the big games, and they just they came to play, and Kansas just wasn't wasn't ready for it. I mean, they Kansas got up to a pretty comfortable lead, and then sort of just choked it all away. And they had a chance; they had a chance in that game. They really did, and it just they they blew it. They they, they then the, the two of the weirder over under like totals that I I have to imagine affected some of the stuff that Bavada had over the weekend. The the that game had the purposefully try to miss your free throw bank in at the end of the game that hit the over, followed by the fairly Dickinson FAU game where the guy goes up for the uh the dunk right as the time is getting ready to expire and he bricks it off the back rim mm-hmm. and that kept the under intact. <laughs> Uh, by him missing that, which I mean, to be fair, I don't know how like like I would have been furious if I'm fairly Dickinson. Like we clearly didn't foul. Uh, it's over. Why are you like yamming on us at this point? Yeah. Um, and they obviously they had a, the coach said a quick conversation about it, but just uh, just a, a, an insane turn of events for that under to stay to stay intact. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Absolutely. But I mean, it's tournament time, man. You, the crazy is to be expected. I mean, it's, it, it, it is actually insane how, how well the odds makers do in terms of picking those total numbers. Like it's, they're just dead on, like dead on in so many of these games. I, it wasn't, it wasn't as much in the conference tournaments. Like there were games that were going under by 30 plus points, like just crazy stats like that. 
Um, but then you look at these games and like so many by the hook winners and losers, just in insane how how accurate they can get it, especially when it's two teams that you know haven't faced each other a bunch during the regular season, so that you don't really have trends. You just have kind of what these teams have individually done. You don't really know how they'll match up and what's going to work and what isn't, and then they end up being like dead on with stuff. Almost like they do it for a living. You would think. You would think. Let's get your picks for the Sweet 16 matchups, Greg. Number seven, Michigan State, versus number three, Kansas State, and Bavada has Kansas State uh, plus two. I, I mean, Tom Izzo just dominates the tournament. He he is perennially in this in this situation. Like, he is able to get his guys to, to show up when it's tournament time, it's March, we're ready to go. And we're going to make, we're going to make the NCAA tournament. And we're going to win a couple of games. It's very rare that they, <laughs> that they don't, you know, I think, I think of he's made 25 consecutive tournaments, 15 sweet 16s in that 25, you know, 25 year run. Like that's, that's incredible to be able to do that. And he did it again, knocking out Marquette, the big East champions, Kansas state. I mean, they were just all over, uh, all over Kentucky in, in that, that round of 32 matchup. I think, I think this is going to be one of the, the really fun games of the sweet 16. Um, and to kick it off is, is great. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to go against Izzo here. But I think I like the points from Kansas State. I think I think they just have they have some dogs on that team and guys who can score. Noel's great. He's been fun during the tournament. I think this is I think this is their chance to to keep it going. Also crazy that the number three seed is the underdog. Yeah, right. Doesn't feel right to me. Uh, number eight Arkansas versus number four UConn. UConn minus three and a half at Bavada. I mean, UConn played so well. Obviously, they dominated Iona, but in that that second round matchup against St. Mary's, I mean, they just they just blew them away in the second half. And it feels like one of those UConn teams that's just going to hang around, and all of a sudden, we're going to find UConn in the Final Four. And we're not going to really know what happened, other than the fact that they've played really, really good basketball. Um, I, it's hard to pick against Arkansas, though. They were in this spot last year. They, you know, it, it's going to come down to two really good coaches going head to head. I just think UConn has the edge here. Number nine, FAU versus number four, Tennessee. A little bit bigger line here. Bavada has Tennessee minus five and a half. I, I, I got to take FAU on the points because it's so hard to trust Rick Barnes in, in the tournament. Like he, yeah. he, I, he, been to a ton of sweet 16s but never really had a ton of success past that tennessee's underachieved the past few years in terms of the tournament since he's been there um this is a guy who had kevin durant and didn't get out of the round of 32 um you know it's kevin durant exactly um i I like the points in fau here i just I, i think that they tennessee's a very good team but i think that uh the points in fau are the way to go Number three, Gonzaga versus number two, UCLA. Bavada has UCLA minus two. I mean, this is revenge game city for UCLA. If you talk about, you know, the Jalen Sugg shot from what, two years ago? Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
a lot some of these guys were on that team um it's it's you know I, I, I mean if you're UCLA and you can't get up for this game I don't know what to tell you but Gonzaga slowly floated under the radar just like I thought they would as that three seed nobody's really talking about them and this is where they can make that big impact um and and kind of turn it on here uh to to propel them even further into this tournament. And I think to me, I don't think drew Timmy's done just yet. I know he tied the record for most 20 point games in NCAA tournament history. Um, I mean, I know obviously some of that is, <coughs> excuse me, some because of it's his 43rd consecutive year playing in the NCAA exactly, tournament. Exactly. Exactly. All the eligibility and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think, I think this is, it's, this is a real shot and I like Gonzaga in the matchup. Number 15, San Diego State. Number one, Alabama. And we've got Alabama minus seven and a half at Bavada. I mean, San Diego State's uh, definitely outplayed my expectations. I didn't think they were going to beat College of Charleston. You know, you get the upset matchup against Furman, and they took care of business there, which was which was good for them. But Alabama's just sort of been rolling. I mean, obviously, round one, they won by 20 plus Maryland, you know, I never really that much of a ball game. I think this is a, a pretty easy win for the overall number one seed. Another number one here, uh, Miami, Florida, number five takes on number one, Houston and Bavada has Houston minus seven points. I picked against the big 10 and almost everything, except the one team I believed in was Indiana. And that was a mistake. Yeah, I sure was a mistake to believe in the Hoosiers. <laughs> Miami did battle through a very tough game against Drake and then followed it up with an unbelievable performance against Indiana. Isaiah Wong kind of got his one, hopefully one bad tournament game out of him in that first game against Drake. I don't think he scored uh, a field goal until the second half of the game against them and then really turned it on against against Drake. Larinig is a really good coach, knows how to get teams deep into the tournament. Um, the, the issue is, is that Houston is very, 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 very good. We saw what they did in that second half against Auburn. Now, some of that second half was was some of the most painful basketball to watch because it was just every play, every time down the court, both ends, it was foul, 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 foul. Then the ref just kept blowing the whistle and it was unbelievably like boring and tiresome to watch. However, Around those fouls, I think or I think Auburn only made four field goals in the entire second half. Houston Houston's just so good, and if Sasser is actually healthy, that that just they they have to be right there in the top tier of title favorites. So I think uh, I think this is Houston's game. Number fifteen, Princeton. Number six, Creighton. Creighton minus ten in the only double digit line in the Sweet Sixteen at Pavada. It's hard for me to pick against Creighton in this matchup simply because I've had them penciled in the to the Elite Eight the entire time since the bracket came out, even when Arizona was still alive in the tournament. Um, I just think they have a lot of the guys to, to, to have that deep run, right? They have a big man in Kalkbrenner. They have the guards. Um, pretty solid coach. But Princeton's been impressive, man. And the, the issue really where it's going to land is like – you have this extended time to actually prepare for the team. Yeah. 
Like, it's not the, oh, we play these guys in 36 hours, and that's when our matchup is. It's now time for, uh, it's, you know, it's quick film, that kind of thing. You can really prepare for this, and I think I think this is where Princeton's run comes to an end, but I think they cover the 10. And finally, number three, Xavier. Number two, Texas. Texas minus four at Bavada. Texas is so good, man. They're so good and athletic, and uh, I, I don't want to. I don't like to tap. I don't like to pat myself on the back ever. But in, in my final pick in the players' draft was Devin Disu uh, from Texas, and he ripped my heart out against Penn State uh, with twenty-eight points. Um, but Xavier has been rolling, man. Sean Miller. Sean Miller had them just out there dominating Pitt uh, all over the the floor. He's, but he's a guy who, again, underperforms in the tournament in Texas, sort of has that whole, our coach got fired in the middle of the season. We're here to, you know, it, it maybe it brought them together a little bit in terms of some adversity. Um, I, I, I just think Texas is too good for them. No, I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. And we will, uh, we'll talk quite a bit more about, I guess we're going to have some some final four matchups when we get back to the show next week and uh, potentially national championship talk real quick before we get out of here. A couple things, Greg, what did you make of the most recent Eagles moves? What filling out the roster for the positions that you lost? Well, I mean the things that things that have happened since we've last talked since then they bring, they, Announced they're going to cut Slay, then they keep Slay. It's now a two-year deal instead of him getting cut. Um, who else? And then, the, then uh, well, Fletch comes back for ten million dollars for some reason. Ah, oh, that's listen. I love Fletcher Cox. He's done a lot for this organization. But the second I saw that, I was like, "What are we doing? What are we doing here?" Feels it, high. It's a lot for a guy who didn't do a ton the last two years. And also, it doesn't help that uh, he's needed to be rotated pretty heavily, which means even if you do keep him, you probably still need to draft the def- a defensive tackle high. And $10 million is just... Allegedly, the Jets offered more, so he did technically take less to stay in Philadelphia. That's great. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. Great that, great that Kelsey and BG and Fletch will be on the team this year. Uh, the, Two the of those John. guys really contribute, however. Yes, and the other one's Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Gardner-Johnson thing is is interesting. The more you read about this, the more it just seems like there's a lot about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that we don't know. I mean, the agent tweet is the thing that stands out to me the most. I, I that's the one that I can't I can't understand what we're doing here. Like I don't, I don't get why you would tweet that information out about what the Eagles were offering, that kind of thing. Like it's really bizarre to me. And then to put like mic drop in the tweet is very weird too. I don't, well, I don't get that. I think this is more likely than not probably a very, very immature person at this point. And yeah, look, it was. There's a reason the Saints traded him for a fifth round pick. And there's a reason that he's going to be playing on his third team in, you know, 18 months at this point. Yeah, it's it's one of those like overplaying your hand kind of things, too, which is which is weird to me. Like, 
we see that across the board in, in a lot of sports, especially when it comes to, to contract negotiations. And I think that there's an overvaluing of, listen, don't get me wrong. He was phenomenal for us, right? For sure. Le- tied for the league lead in interceptions. You Despite know, all the games missed. Exactly. Uh, just a, a presence on the defense, this and that. But there's, there's, there's clearly something that we're missing, you know, off the field um, that we're not privy to in terms of interactions and stuff like that. So I, I as much as it hurts to lose the on the field guy, you're just kind of like, OK, I, I, maybe maybe there's something that Howie sees that we don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure there is. I mean, the Eagles were given the opportunity to match the one year eight million dollar contract he signed with the Lions and, and they declined. Also, let me tell you, I would never encourage a player to take a prove-it deal when they're coming off the best season of their career. Yeah, like, that's that's the part, especially in football. Like, especially there, there in football. There's clearly no market for this guy. It, yeah, there, there couldn't have been, right? At least nobody was willing to give any sort of serious length to, the, to a contract. Like, I don't, it doesn't, it's... It, Something's fishy, right? Does that make does that does that sound about right? That sounds very right. Yes, yeah. and the rest, you know, Justin Evans and this linebacker today are absolute nothing more than depth pieces. If either one of them is is playing, you're probably in trouble. Greedy Williams, dude. Greedy Williams. Greedy was interesting. Greedy's a good football player. He's just been hurt a lot. I was uh, I'm, I was happy about it. <laughs> I think he might get cut. And let me tell you why those fourth and fifth corners have to play special teams. And I just don't remember greedy being a special teams guy in Cleveland. Well, that's going to be a problem. Sorry about your luck. Greed. I mean, one year, 2 million. I'll take that gamble. By the way, I want to, uh, I want to make some picks right now. And I would like these on my card this Ooh, week. It better the light. Let me, let me get this ready to be written down. I, I, I mean, you went one and one last week, which not I know, not... because Paul Mullen decided he didn't want to score in the first half. Thanks, yeah. Paul. It was it was a tough it was a tough one for you. I'll be honest. Um, I saw the I, I didn't see the halftime score, like I didn't see the notification, but uh, I saw the the goal that put them up two uh, one, and I was like, well, let me check. And then I saw ah zero zero at halftime. That's a bummer. Yeah, I think the first goal came in the fifty sixth minute. Um, and I'm not getting I'm not getting Rex some updates on my phone for whatever reason, which is a little bit uh, a little bit annoying. Also, their goal their backup goalie Rob Layton is out for six weeks, so that is something to keep an eye on. They've been trying to rest Mark Howard a little bit lately since he's a little bit of an an older fella, uh, but <laughs> you know we're getting to the point where you just got to play, you just got to play at this point. And I mean, look, it's not. I would think the goalie is the easiest position to to, you know, stay healthy and play. Like, you're not really doing a lot of running during the game. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you it's like quick bursts of energy a lot of the times. Anyway, with the, the, that wonderful Wrexham team, I'm going to take Wrexham. Oh, man. I'm, I'm struggling here, Greg, because uh, I want to go, I want to go. All right, I'm I'm gonna take Wrexham plus one oh five minus minus point five in the first half. Okay. So minus point five plus one oh five. And then uh, York City's bad. 
you know what? Balls to the wall. York City's bad. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Rex a minus one and a half, minus one thirty full game. Okay. All right, buddy. I'm tempted, I, I mean I'm tempted to take the over as well, but I don't want to get greedy. <laughs> I listen, uh, I don't blame you. No, you know what? Screw it. I have confidence in the fellas. And York City's terrible. I'll I'll also take the over two and a half goals, minus one seventy. Minus one seventy. I mean, listen. Did I get any of that parlayed? Nah. Uh, probably not. Mid- no, you can't. Yeah. A lot of times they don't let you do same game stuff like that. Um, National League table. Let's see here. Oh, York City's terrible. I think they have forty-two points. Uh, York City, eighteen. The you know what though? I mean, obviously the picks are in. Not a terrible goal differential for where they are. They just don't win games, which is a problem. Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you're right, not a terrible goal differential. But if you're 18th in the National League and you have half the points of of the leaders, you're struggling. Yeah, you're not good. You're you're not you're not good at all. Ugh. Did you watch the first episode of Ted Lasso? I did not. So it's been basketball, basketball, basketball. Um, and we've been talking about it. And then last night we were like, oh, there's women game, women's games on. And Hell yeah, was, there is. Villanova, baby. Dude, yeah. Maddie Seagrass just dominating out there. It's The women's tournament's been very fun. There's been upsets. Two, two, number one, uh, two number one seeds out before the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1994. Um, I, I hope that that type of trend continues because it just makes the women's game even more intriguing. It makes the tournament more interesting. Um, you know, it's not, it's nowhere near as fun when it's like, oh, we're just going to see one through four in the elite eight. And that's what it is. The, the upsets make the tournament and, uh, you know, seeing Indiana and Stanford both go down Matt. I mean, I think Matt flew to Mississippi to celebrate, uh, old Mrs. <laughs> upset of, of Stanford, uh, over the weekend. So it's oh, just been, it's, uh, a lot it's of his fun. alma mater as we all know. Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fun tournament. So we watched uh, a lot of those games last night and then uh, we were going to get around to it. Maybe tonight technical difficulties probably push that back. Probably get to it around Thursday, which may mean there might be two episodes out. But that is correct. Maddie going to be a top five pick in the WNBA draft. It's, it's ridiculous that, that Philadelphia does not have a WNBA team. Uh, dude, this is something we talk about here all the time. One from a from a family perspective, like we would take the girls to those games. Like we would want to do that and want to go. Like we took them to tons and tons of women's college basketball games. Not that we couldn't take them to men's games too. Obviously, we could, and we had direct like connections and family members and stuff like that on different teams in the city from a college perspective. Mm-hmm. But like those WNBA games would be so much fun to go and watch. Um, it's something that needs to happen especially in a city with such such a uh, like basketball history. It's crazy that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I wonder what the rationale for that is. Well, I think it has to do with the NBA teams themselves, right? Like, don't they? And, and then you kind of wonder, like, so there's the Mystics in Washington. You have the New York team, uh, the Liberty. And then hey, maybe it's just a market thing. They don't want to put too many on the East the Coast. The Sparks. Yeah, you got, you got the sparks in L.A. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. 
It's not good. I I I, I hope it happens. Um, I'm very hopeful that uh, that we're able to get one uh, in Philadelphia because it'd be a lot of fun to have that in here. But we'll see. Well, the WNBA wants to add at least one more team by 2025. So you know, we shall see. It's Let just, it be uh, Philly. Let's go. I you know it it actually it seems like the majority of the WNBA. Where is that picture I just saw? The majority of the WNBA is on in what you would consider the if if we're splitting the country into two sides, it would be on the eastern side. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams in the western portion. And really one of them is in the middle and that Texas team, the Texas Wings is kind of in the middle. Yeah. And then you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 teams in the eastern part. So who is it? So let's if we're saying eastern, I would assume you'd consider Chicago eastern. Yeah. So you'd go Chicago, Atlanta, Chicago, Atlanta, Connecticut, New York, D.C. Oh, what is this? Who is this Philadelphia Bells team? Is that a... Oh, this is an, this is an expansion project. I see what oh, I Okay. Got it. But there's a logo for it. Wait, is this a thing? Now I need to find out about this. Philadelphia Bells. I feel like we would have known about this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would. Let's see. Philadelphia Bells. Bells tryouts. Who are the Philadelphia Bells? They're having having tryouts in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Oh, it's it's an EYBL team. It's and it's spelled differently. It's B E L L E S. So those numbers <laughs> may not have been accurate because I didn't realize that they were putting fake teams in there. Well, hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? All right. Well, I think we're gonna end the episode here <laughs> on the Philadelphia Bells. Yeah, it's, it's confusing, but it's we can one take less ownership, team. Chris. This is where we invest. I don't hate that idea. I I would like to be in an ownership group for a WNBA team in Philadelphia. I'm in. I mean, I, I've in. obviously got I've obviously got my softball team, so I need to expand the the empire. I, listen, let's do it. <laughs> we'll 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 make some phone calls and we'll have more information next week. <laughs> Get some financing. I'll, um, that's going to be my first call. All right, for Greg Curran, I'm Chris Warwell. This has been You're Wrong, and here's why. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.